Welcome to the podcast. Hello, I'm John Branion, and this is the comedian next door. This is part two with Jason Farley. You know, what are, yeah, you, yeah. what are you saying to me and, right now? And what are you trying to talk me into then? <laughs> Why are you trying to talk me out of it? Because what I believe is not any different than what you believe. I mean, this is the same thing when I was newly married. I'd say something snarky and sharp to my wife. And then she would say, what did you say? And then I would repeat it without the tone in my voice. All I said was, that's a very nice parking job, honey. You know, and, and she's like, that's not all you said, right? That's what is happening most of the time with deconstructionists. Right. It's like, you're just bad at being a husband. That's what's going on. Well, you can't, I... I I would lose patience uh, with the atheists after after going round and round and round and round because what I what I discovered, and I still believe this is true, is that the atheists don't want to talk about anything except what the definition of atheism is. Yeah, um, and that's what it always boils down to. They're they're always they always figure out a way to be so upset with you for ascribing a belief to them that they don't have. Atheism is not a belief. It's not a faith. It's not a religion. It's, okay. And that, but that's what you were saying the deconstructionists do. It's not this. It's yeah. not this. It's not it's this. Not it's the, not this. Yeah. Well, what is it? Well, it's not this and it's not this. And it's like, okay, right. let's just, I'll just, we'll just use whatever words you want to use. You know, you just believe whatever it is you want. to. Now just tell me what you think is true. And they can't, they can. like, yeah. What, and so reading Jacques Derrida, I've only read him in translation. I don't read French. So I, I've only got a, this is, this is reading English translations of Derrida. But what you have, what's so frustrating is he spends all his time telling you what his project isn't. Mm-hmm. Right. And, but that's a, that's a meta, that's because of a, a set of metaphysical assumptions, assumptions. and a set of, a set of assumptions about knowledge right. and our relationship to knowledge. Right. So in, uh, in Plato in the cave, his whole thing is um, unless I can have, I can nothing, he won't call anything true knowledge in the Republic um, in, in the allegory of the cave, unless it is direct knowledge of the nature of things. Right. He says that is the only thing that's true knowledge and you can get there by a philosopher, by philosophical inquiry and rational inquiry, you can get there. Um, and then you try and come back and you bring other people to that. But he won't call anything knowledge that's not direct knowledge uh, of the true nature of things. The problem mm-hmm. is only God has that kind of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Right? He, so he describes divine knowledge. And he says, that's the only thing I will call knowledge. Right. And then he claims that he's gotten it. Right, right. <laughs> that he has achieved it through okay. philosophy. So this is why Plato's wrong ninety five percent of the time is because his definition. He's he's right. fun to read. He's a blast to read. And Aristotle's right more often, but he's really boring. He's like he's sand. You know, it's good for you, so you keep doing it. But uh, <laughs> so uh, um, 
But what happened is uh, Heidegger and Derrida and those guys, they picked up the, the Plato's definition of knowledge with the Christian anthropology that says you can't have that. And then said, I guess we're screwed then. I guess we can't know anything. Yeah. I guess we can't know and we can't call anything we have true knowledge. Right. Right. Um, and uh, the, so there's something refreshing about Heidegger who says, look, we are, we are definitely a priestly being. The problem is there's nothing on the other side of our priestly stretch, right? We, we take things we have and we try to stretch them up to something divine. And the disappointment is that we find no, nothing on in the divine space. There's nothing um, and greater there's than nothing man. there. Yeah. And so he says the, the, uh, the experience of humanity is to be disappointed, right? The, the experience that's, that's the, the definition of, knowing you're human is that feeling of ennui, disappointment, not having a place in the world. And, right. uh, the, and, and uh, he says, that, so we just have to be honest, face it down. And then he goes and joins the Nazi party. So you understand what it means to be honest and face that down. <laughs> right, right. And blame the Jews for it. <laughs> blame the Jews, yeah, always. It's like, yeah, it's like, oh man, because they don't have they don't have that feeling of ennui. So no, gotta, no, they're, they're, they're yeah, not yeah. they're not people like us. They're not part of no. the Ubermensch. <laughs> they're not. They unfortunately they do. They, it's, it's easier to blame the Jews than pay back the the money you owed them. I think that's what really was no, going sure, on. Sure, sure. It's always it's always easier to blame somebody else for your for your own. Yeah. Uh, now that I borrowed a bunch of money from you, mm-hmm. rather than pay it back, I'm just going to stick you on a train. Uh, I'm, you I'm just going to say that you're the reason that there's bad. <laughs> you're stuff. the reason. That, yeah, <laughs> but but I think that as Christians, we just um, we what we need is a positive definition of knowledge um, that instead of always being in response and saying. Um, you know, saying, well, here's what's wrong with your, your definition. Or here's what's wrong with yours. Um, we have a tendency to live in response as conservative Christians right now, oh, rather than true. saying, well, here's my epistemological assumptions. I think you can call non you, knowledge that's not directly about the nature of things, but that is through you know, your senses and through authorities and you, we, you can call that all true knowledge and mm-hmm. let's go celebrate. Mm-hmm. I, um, and toast to the creaturely knowledge that God has given us and not, not feel like I have to have divine knowledge. I don't need right. to have that kind of knowledge to call it knowledge. I have, you know. So do you think I'm being fair when I suggest that most people, there are, I'm, I'm, there are a handful of people who are genuine. Uh, we'll call them genuine seekers who who delve into yeah. the philosophy and try to understand what you're talking about when you say the nature of things and what is what is it to yeah. have knowledge and the nature of things. I mean, those are really deep things to contemplate. I don't think that that's most people. I think that most people mm-hmm. are very utilitarian in their in their use of religion or if you're an atheist your denial that you have religion right but but you are you're just basically 
the deconstructionists are trying to uh, excuse their sinfulness. I think, well, I think there's a couple of, I think there are, like you said, there really are people that wish they were finding answers. Right. And they're not. Right. Um, right. I, I'm, then, I acknowledge so, that. I think I'm, I'm saying right. that the rank and file, yeah, most of the, many the, of the people that people. you, so, that, that, because, because here's, here's what, here's the theme that keeps popping up. Um, there's a lot of impatience, even in this book. Yeah. With, with the uh, the people who are not in deconstruction, people like people like me who don't necessarily identify as somebody who is deconstructing his faith. I I think that my faith, I think they would they would have seen deconstruction if they were to if we were to have a conversation. But it's not a long term thing for me. It's it's a matter of hours, you know, where I'm like, oh, right. here's a thing, and blow, uh, and now and then I kind of work through it, and then we go on. And so I, but I I don't think that they they have a lot of hostility for people yeah. who who they they would say were denying that we have gone through deconstruction, you know, because they, they, it's, it's a crucial element of faith that you will deconstruct your faith in order for it to right. become real. And they, if it's going to be real. I, I do think that, that there is, I, I mean, I've had a couple of different experiences. Like I had a guy where he, you know, he was saying the world is going to hell in a handbasket and everything's falling apart. And this is the worst it's ever been. And, and, um, and he said, it's just senseless. It's senseless, but, you know, God is putting us through it. And then, you know, he's got to come back soon or else. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know, um, Nero used to hang us from poles and light us on fire so that he could have a dinner party mm-hmm. after dark. And we survived that. So I think we're going to survive this. And he said, I don't like your face. <laughs> That was his. That was his big response, and I was like, "What do you mean? What do you mean you don't like my face?" Uh, right? And he said, right. "I don't like that you that you're smiling and laughing right, about right. how terrible the world is." Right. Right. So my you weren't where he fear, was. You weren't dis. Right. You weren't yeah. disconstructing or deconstructing as and, he was, and so and yeah. and my but my lack of fear felt like judgment to him. Right. Right. <laughs> and I think it probably was, but I think it was the Holy Spirit judging him, not me. But, yeah. <laughs> but I also, he was I convicted also was by like, something. It's the, only, <laughs> it's the only face I've got. And it came this way. I don't have any good way to. So, <laughs> um, but then there's there another time. So, you know, we um, had a, a church in a college town and um, kind of in the area where all of the college apartments were. And so every every uh, fall, we would go around with just an invitation card to the church. Hey, we we meet right up there. We're, we're walking distance. If you're looking for a church, we'd love to have you. Here's an invitation card when the church meets and all that. Mm-hmm. And um, and sometimes you get into conversations, but mostly it's just, hey, welcome to the neighborhood. Um, we're the neighborhood church. And if you need anything, 
Um, if you if you need a food bank, you need anything, we're right there. We're, we, this is our neighborhood. We love you. We love this neighborhood, and we're here to take care of it. So uh, let us know if there's anything we can do to help, and we'd love to see you on worship on Sunday morning. Really, it was not confrontational evangelism. I'm comfortable in confrontation because I've got social, I've got a social <laughs> disorder, probably. <laughs> but it was not a confrontational thing. But but sometimes people would be super confrontational, yeah. and we had. But we had uh, a friend and I had a really pleasant conversation with. Uh, a couple of of uh, college age ladies who said, "Oh, I, you know, I go to a Lutheran church, um, and so really, I'm probably looking for a Lutheran church. Uh, but uh, what what's your church like?" And we told her, "You know, uh, we're kind of like old Lutheran, not like new Lutheran, <laughs> because we're Presbyterian. And so, what kind of Lutheran?" And so, oh, actually, you know, there's if you go another block up the road, there's a Lutheran church like the one you're looking for. Um, so, you know, right. uh, you should check that one out, uh, but we'd love to have you too. And, you know, we're closer, but, uh, also, <laughs> you know, there's plenty of room for other churches. So no with God. We thought was, yeah, we, yeah. Right. We thought it was a really nice, pleasant conversation. <laughs> and, um, I know where this is going. <laughs> so that we knock on, uh, um, and then we come back the next day to do the other side and this boy this young guy opens the door and he's like he's like oh you guys are just judgmental this and that and we're like i'm sorry what are you talking about and he's like those you you made those girls across the way feel so bad about themselves and you uh you hear telling us everybody we're wrong he's like there's no such thing as right and wrong so you can't come in here telling us what's right and wrong. That's that's wrong of you. It's wrong right? of you to and, tell us it's right and wrong. Yeah. And so, and and uh, my friend looks at me and he was like, "Do you want to take this one?" And I was like, "Yeah." It's like, yeah, so sure I, I, I understand you, right? You're telling us because there's no such thing as right and wrong. It's wrong of us. <laughs> to do that what we're doing and he's like exactly and i said so i just restated it let me say it again no such slower as, there's no such thing as wrong we're wrong for doing it and he's like and he looks at me and he says word games right like word games and right then the two girls walk out of their apartment my friend turns to him and he's like, hey, John here was just telling us that we, that we upset you and I'm really sorry. And he was like, and, and they said, what? That's not what we said. You guys were super nice. We were really grateful for the, the how friendly you guys are. Welcome us to the neighborhood. That's not, so it's like this. And, and, you know, and my friend turns back to him and he goes, can we come back and have more conversations? And he shuts the door off. It's hilarious. It's so good. Word games. Word games. (laughs) So a guy like that, he's actually trying to use the word games against us. Yes. And so his assumption is that anybody that beats him is just better at word games than he is. Right. Um, And a lot of Christians, unfortunately, they, they fail because they don't realize that the whole deconstructionist movement is... Uh, is a series of word games. I mean, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. So, and and the thing that defeats uh, word games is 
it's what's storytelling. It's be jokes and art and that sort of thing and because truth. it's a fight. I mean, we're, we are in a fight for the dictionary, um, mm-hmm. but we are, but the dictionary is not established um, by an authority. And That's, the, yep. the, the meaning, uh, the meaning of words has to do with the use of words. And I mean, this, you see this all the time with, accusations of fascism i was once doing some street preaching um out in front of an abortion or in front of an abortion clinic um and and uh i was telling the story of of uh saint brendan's voyage and the uh just through the microphone out in and it's just this old (laughs) irish poem that's i'm just telling the story through the microphone and this group of punk rock kids show up and they start and it's the story of these sea monsters circling God's people um, while they're out on their mission. And, and they start walking in circles around <laughs> me as I preach. And I'm like, you guys are making this too easy. And they're blowing smoke. But they're coming up and they're blowing smoke from their cigarettes in my face. And I, and, uh, and I was like, this is, it's like a gift. How do you, like, how do you, I couldn't have planned this. It was so funny. And uh, and I was like, and the sea monsters roar, and they're like roar. That's <laughs> <laughs> so, so so amazing. <laughs> but then, and they didn't and even realize what they were doing, right? No idea, right? Yeah. They're, they're just they're thinking they're being funny. They were being funny, but they didn't realize they were the butt of the joke. They right. thought that they were the. Um, but so, but then I I go the the guy that uh, <laughs> is coming on after me is this this is this like wonderful old Roman Catholic. He's this little teeny tiny. He's probably 85 years old and he's, he is um, going to, he, he's, he's going to come up and next and pray. And I was like, Uh I've got a big voice. I'm a big dude. This little guy, he's going to get swallowed up by this. And so, uh, so they kind of go off to, rest and have a smoke break, but waiting for the next preacher to come up and harass. Right. And so I, I beeline over to him and be like, Hey guys. So literally, are you guys just bored? Like you've nothing better to do tonight. There's no good punk rock shows. They're like, yeah, basically we're bored. We saw a crowd and then we came over. And I was like, and so we got, and I was like, well, what's the problem with what it is we're doing here? And he was like, and one of them was like, you're fascists. And I was right. like, and does anybody know what fascism means? <laughs> and one guy was, one of the kids was like, it's people that tell other people what to do. And I was like, wrong. That's, that's not what it is. Anybody else? And one of the kids goes, I think it's like maybe about economics. I was like, there we go. It's an economic theory that has to do with the collusion of the uh, government power and corporate interest. And the two come together in order to use their power to benefit one another at the expense of the wealth of people. the people. And then the one guy goes like, he's like, like George Bush? And I was like, exactly. <laughs> and he goes, wait, really? Are you a Republican? I'm like, no, I'm not. The Republicans are too liberal for me. And so we ended up having this long conversation. It started out about fascism. And then, and then it turned into a conversation about why it was I wear wore a tie, right? So it devolves into why is it that you wear a tie? And I was like, man, chicks dig ties, man. 
so ended up talking about their love life. And so all, you distracted him while the little guy went up and prayed. <laughs> exactly. So that the little guy could go up and pray. And yeah. so we ended up talking for about an hour. Um, uh, as soon as it be, uh, and later the police came over <laughs> and they were like, thank you. That was not going well. And I thought they, 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 the police had actually, they had called for backup because they thought it was going to, these kids were going to turn violent. And right. I don't think they had it in them. They were kind of, wussies but the (laughs) but you um but it really was this question of definitions right right when it comes down to it they have a they have a false definition in their head that is turning them into the hero in the story Mm -hmm. when they're so obviously not the hero of the story right but definition has has shifted just enough that they can justify being I don't know what who I don't know what who who's your one listener? Carl. Carl. Will Carl be offended <laughs> if I say they were being a bunch of little pricks? <laughs> Guess it doesn't matter now, does it? It doesn't matter now, yeah. <laughs> but they but that I mean, what they were actually doing was one thing, and then the way right. they were telling the story in their head was another because they were saying, We're here fighting fascism. Right. 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 <laughs> you know, um, but they they weren't actually doing that. Um, right. I mean, we need to do that. Fascism is is evil and uh, and all that. Uh, right. But <laughs> you have such. to recognize who's guilty of doing it. <laughs> right. but you yeah, can't just exactly. You but, can't just attack everybody with a microphone and assume that they're a fascist. Yeah. So so I think there is a fight for the dictionary going on, um, but the but we don't win that. We win that fight. We we don't win that fight. Because it's not an authority, it's not a fight for who's in charge of the authority. Right. The a, a dictionary is is an observation about how words are used. A dictionary isn't the thing that gives a word its definition. Mm-hmm. And so we are, we're actually, you know, fighting for the the use of the word, the general use of the word, and right. that you know the ignorance that says. Well, and that's where rhetoric becomes important. I mean, we gotta we yeah. gotta learn how to present those words in a way that is appealing and uh, I almost hate to use the word, but winsome. And uh, we 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 gotta be cool. I mean, we gotta be the ones that they're like, man, that dude. I want to be like that dude. I don't want to be like this right. screaming harpy over here. I don't want to be that. <laughs> I want to be like this. And I I, uh, I think the church has played a pretty key role over the uh, number last few decades of appealing to the dictionary for as, as the authority in, uh, in definitions, you know, how many preachers yeah. will go to the dictionary? Well, the dictionary definition, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And we're, let's talk yeah. about that. And it's like, and, and even when that was going on, I couldn't put my finger on why it bothered me when I was younger but it did bother me at some level when they yeah. would be like, because I, because I, I guess I sort of sensed mm, now you're now, now we've, we don't have any, now we don't have any authority because, because we're appealing right. to the same book that the, that the godless people are appealing to. In fact, it's, it's, it's the same book. And so if our definition of, well, which dictionary was it that recently changed the definition of women, of woman? That was like, oh yeah, 
just in the last right, that, few days. Just the yeah, there the, and that's going on, right? I I'm always I collect dictionaries. Yeah. Old, old dictionaries because <laughs> just because it's interesting to watch look through the way the, the words, words change. change. And, yeah. Yeah. And um so anything anything from the nineties on, you get really funky weird um changes in definitions. Well and and the church is by by ascribing to the dictionary. It's like, well, you know what the dictionary? Well, let's go to let's go to Webster's. Let's go to the New Collegiate Dictionary and look at see. Well, look, it says right there, a woman is anybody who believes that they are a feminine <laughs> adult, and what I forget exactly what it says. But it's like, well, now, so what the word now means is really is. Nothing, right? I mean, if you yeah. if I say to a person, "Are you a man or a woman?" and they say, "I'm a woman," I still have to ask more questions now because you haven't right. told me anything when you tell me you're a woman, right? And I, when I think that's what that that's it, it's Tower of Babel stuff, you know, that you're losing the ability to communicate. Right? Yeah. We're losing the ability to be connected in a meaningful way with with our neighbors and with strangers. And, um, and, and that's, I think that's the thing that as Christians, that's where the fight really is, is mm-hmm. in the ability to continue connecting. Um, and, and I think this is where our, where our superpower is in the church. I mean, our strength is when the culture is breaking down and people are, being dislodged from reality, dislodged from the, uh, their identity, dislodged in all these places, dislodged from their community, dislodged from everything that's ever given the meaning. And the church says, we're with you. We're going to, we're also shutting down. We're also <laughs> closing our doors, right? Yeah, we, um, we've missed our, our huge opportunity. Right, um, right. You know, what, like what made the cool kid the cool kid was that they didn't care uh, right. They they didn't care about other people. They didn't right. care what other people said. And we have been like a junior high girl that is constantly checking our Instagram. Please likes. love us. You know, <laughs> please, yeah. please. What what please do we need love to us. do? Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, we we had a really interesting. I had a really interest interesting interaction with a seventh grader that was a you know non Christian visited our church with his family, and um, I for the last. I don't know, four years or so, I've done the teenage Bible study at our church on Wednesday nights. And, and the, uh, and so the, somebody said, Oh, well you should meet Jason. He does our teenage Bible study. So he came over and he talked to me and this was right in the middle of, of all of the craziness of COVID. It was shortly after we were told we're not allowed to sing anymore, that it was illegal to sing. (laughs) And so, so I got I remember that. We, we, yeah. So our our um, our pastor at the beginning of the church got up and said, uh, "We were told that it's illegal to sing, but I would like to read some commands from the Bible to sing, and so I encourage you to sing extra loud this Sunday." Um, and we, and nobody knew what was going to happen. Like, are they going to raid the church? Right. If we sing? Like, we don't know. Nobody knows. But our church has <laughs> not quit singing loud since then. Our and then they carted so Gabe off in a... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we had... Um, but this seventh grader um, 
I talked to him a little bit and just said, oh, here's what we do on Wednesday nights. We get together and we we uh, read out of the Bible. We sing some songs. We play some games and just, you know, it's a, it's a time for uh, Christians that are this, uh, around the same age to have fellowship together. And, and then we learn what the Bible teaches for uh, teenagers. How, do, how does the Bible guide and direct teenagers to live their lives well? Not, I knew he wasn't Christian. It's not a Christian family. They were visiting um, because like a lot of families during COVID, everything melted down and they said, I'm going to check. There's churches meeting. I'm going to check one of those out. Right. And it happened a lot. And I've known a lot of, I've met a lot of folks who became Christians just because during COVID, COVID when they ruined were supposed to be else. cowering in their homes, right. locked down. Yeah. And, yeah. and they, and they see all the people driving to church and they say, what's going on over there. Right. And what this creator said, <laughs> yeah. Amen. Um, breaking the law, breaking the law. Uh, we're like the Mike judge, uh, but the, uh, but you have, but the set, what the seventh grader said was, it's been fun visiting here and being around people that aren't afraid of me. So afraid so, of him. Yeah. Cause he, cause everywhere else he goes, he has to put on a mask. Oh, he, oh he's oh. a threat, okay. right? Yeah. He was a threat everywhere else he went. And at church, they, everybody's like hugging and hanging and out singing, and, you know, yeah. and singing and, and yeah. um, coming up and introducing themselves. He's like, nobody here was afraid of me. He said, I like it here. Yeah. Um, it, it, and that's the, that's should be the, what we have as a church is everybody is being dislodged. They're being deconstructed, even if they're not setting out to do it themselves. Uh, right. The world is being deconstructed around them uh, as society falls apart and they're being dislodged from all the historic traditional ways that they connect to their own identity. And the church should be saying, well, Hey, we're not worried about that. Cause we're over here. We have, we are a community. We are yeah. a family. We're, well, I think you raised a good point when you said, um, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but something along the lines of your, your identity, people are looking for a place where, um, where they're not told that, you know what, you're going to make up your identity. You decide what your identity is. You decide yeah. who you're going to be. They're looking for a place that says, nope, here it is. This is this is who you yeah. are. And it's like, oh, well, not very many people tell me that. Most people tell me I get to decide everything. I right. get to decide my gender now. I get to decide, I can decide my race. I can... I can decide even if I'm human or some other type of a species. And then, right. and, but the church has been there, there. There are not a lot of churches, sadly, where they will say, Nope, everything that you just said, untrue, completely untrue. Right. And yeah. uh, this is what is true. Um, we, we just have, yeah. we've, we've thought that the way you win people to Christ is you basically let them be, you let them dictate to you what sort of a faith they're looking for, you know, right. You come in and you, we're going to tell you what we need God to be. And then, and then the church goes, well, then we will make God do that for you because we are here to serve right. you. And this, this naked pastor, uh, a couple of weeks ago said as much, he had a cartoon and the, and the caption that he wrote at the top of it was the church has, um, forgotten or has lost sight of its main mission, which is not for us to serve them, but for them to serve us. 
And he's speaking as somebody who is outside of the church now. And I thought, yeah, he he understands what we have been communicating to them for right. for decades. We are here to serve you. We will we will restructure everything in order to make you comfortable here. And we're we're the we're the ninth grade girl that gets a leather jacket hoping to get invited to the cool kids' birthday party. <laughs> right. Right. That's that's the church. And we're like, yeah. I don't we're want like, her. Here. I got this really cool. I got this really cool leather jacket at Ross. <laughs> You're like, no, I'm going to go hang out with the punk kids that are smoking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they at least have some idea of uh, who they are. So, um, well, this has been this has been helpful. Um, I would like for you to uh to maybe read that book put that on your list and then i will yeah you can um help me pick it apart because i'm not i'm not as well versed in the uh philosophies of uh all of the people that he runs through uh i just i just got this book in the mail today yggdrasil and the cross in the north (laughs) i'm really excited about it (laughs) So it's a typical Jason Farley book right there. It's it's the way the Christian missionaries up to the Germanic peoples used the symbolism, um, incorporated the symbolism of the Germans into their architecture. So I'm super excited to read it. Oh my gosh. I'll tell you how it is. How many people have yelled at you this year? about celebrating Christmas because it's rooted in pagan traditions. Have you, have you gotten chastised for that this oh, year? I, I have, I've had, I've seen it around. I just roll my eyes anymore. Cause it was, cause it was a bunch it, it was romantic German philosophers, the same ones that ended up leading Germany into Nazism and Heidegger <laughs> that were saying <laughs> that were trying to, recover they were trying to keep all of the celebrations but without jesus right they they started making making crap up like (laughs) did you know that christmas came from saturnalia (laughs) literally not this is like untrue that's just it was a straight lie that german romantic that were trying to deconstruct the the faith at that time they were making stuff up right so Um, it's it's actually the other way around but uh, my my point Saturday is, is not even on the twenty fifth. That's what's so stupid. <laughs> My point is the same thing. Same thing with the uh, with the deconstructionists and the atheists and so on. It's it's very utilitarian. And yeah, y- you know, if you're, I, I I asked the question and didn't get an answer, but I asked the question several times. It's like, well, what difference does it make what they did a hundred years ago to celebrate? Christmas, you know, we don't pay any attention to what they, what the ancient pagans did in their marriage rituals. We don't pay any attention to what right. the ancient pagans did to celebrate their birthdays. You know, we don't pay right. attention to their funeral rituals. Why are suddenly we going to have heartburn about what they did at Christmas? I mean, it. it I, and that's a legitimate question. I, I would like to know why I should be concerned. And yeah. Well, here's here's the thing. I can tell you something that really did come from paganism, and I don't think anybody's about ready to get rid of it. The wedding ring on the left hand on that finger. It's because the the the, 
there, there, you know, the, the idea was that there was a vein that went from your heart down to your finger. And so you are binding your heart to one another with that wedding. That's an old Roman. That's literally an old Roman pagan idea. You know how many church weddings I've watched people put rings on? Are they really Christian? Are you really even married? Yeah. Right there, man. I just... I just broke mine, so it's not there. But so that you, so that you could walk closer with Jesus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but I, this doesn't mean that the wedding ring is something you, you just get rid of. It's, I mean, well, anyway, it's dumb. It's dumb because because everything was. I think I think Doug Wilson said this. We all used to be pagans, you know. So right. yeah, of course all, we're going to have pagan like rituals. Ex, we're all ex-pagans. Yeah, because <laughs> and everything is, you know, is pagan somewhere. You know, the fish, fish are there's fish imagery and there's snake imagery yeah. and there's you know there's trees and there's you can find a pagan, you know, ritual or symbol everywhere you look. So what right. are you going to do? I mean, <laughs> we we can't. You can't have a whole new world. One of my, to this day, one of my favorite Sunday morning services of my life. I've got a couple, but this is up in the top five. Um, I, <laughs> I, I was preaching at, at a church and I, you know, do the call to worship and I look up and say, you know, let everything that has breath praise the Lord and stand up. And, then, and the Easter Bunny is in the congregation. <laughs> The Easter Bunny stood up. <laughs> the Easter Bunny was, and it was, and I was, and I didn't know what I was like. There's a person dressed as the Easter Bunny in one of the pews. Well, it has breath. <laughs> yeah, I know. And so they, stood, they went through the whole, and it was a visitor that <laughs> they wore an Easter Bunny costume. Did wore the Easter Bunny, and they went through the whole liturgy straight faced. In an Easter Bunny costume, and it was amazing. Do you know who um, it was? I, what? Later, I found out I found it was out. the it was the mom of one of the families, and she was really? and she she um, that morning she had gone around and hid all of the eggs mm-hmm. for their Easter service, and then um, and, and then but then was wearing the suit, so she just wore it to church. <laughs> I know you're going to tell me it was somebody that was trolling you. No, but that that would have been that would have been funny too. So yeah. I mean, it, it was just but and, but she, she and and um, I went and talked to her afterwards, and she was like, "It's so much fun. I've never really gone to church on Easter. I love <laughs> so much about Easter, and so I was so grateful to come and hear what it was where where it had come from because she didn't mm-hmm. really you know she was you know it was that she wasn't a Christian so right but. It was like it's Easter, so I dressed as a bunny. Obviously, <laughs> clearly, I figured I figured I wouldn't be the only one. I was a little <laughs> right, surprised. I was so a little surprised like, there weren't a whole uh, right. warren of rabbits. There. Yeah, so it was one of those moments where you're just like, mm. the rest of my life, I'm going to be telling this story. I'm so happy oh. that it's happening. <laughs> and that's that's what life is, isn't it? It's a search for those great yeah. stories. <laughs> Uh, it is. Did I tell you about the time that uh, the the guy who was our senior minister wanted to do comedy in church on Sunday morning? No. And he he thought did you that, have to. He thought Easter. He thought Easter would be the time to do comedy. And I said, mm, "That is not a good idea." Um, <laughs> That's a, and, terrible. 
And I tried to, uh, oh my gosh, I tried to explain to him, but you know, some people just don't understand that there's a whole, there's a whole energy that has to be present and the energy is not there on the average Sunday morning and especially not on Easter. And so I said, here's what I'm going to do. I will do our, we have a communion meditation. Um, I said, I'll do the communion meditation and it'll be Easter. And so I'll do something about the resurrection, uh, obviously on Easter and I will make it a little lighthearted. I've got a, I've got a couple of thoughts about this and I'll do them and, uh, and I'll try to make it lighthearted and funny and it will not work. Um, it will be awkward and uncomfortable because I will be trying to be funny and they will not be ready for it. They will not be prepared for it. They will not know how to respond. And he goes, Oh, I think it'll work. And I said, okay, you're wrong, but okay, but this will be a good, so I went up and did it. And I had prepared a, basically the pitch is that the, uh, the resurrection was the greatest punchline that was ever delivered. And already, you know, I'm, I'm three or four levels different than the rest of the congregation, because you start talking about the resurrection, the resurrection of our Lord and savior is a, what a punchline. punchline, So I'm already a heretic and I'm already making fun. I'm already mocking Jesus, you know, all of the things that, and I said, I had, I had a whole routine that I did and uh, I got to the point where the, where Mary or the women had gone to the tomb and the angel says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And I said, brothers and sisters, I know a thing or two about a punchline and that is killer. You yeah. know, you got you to gotta, picture it's like, come over here, you crazy kids. What do you see in there? Nothing. Why? Because it's a tomb. There's no living things in the tomb. Come here. And he puts them in a headlock and rubs their head. Yeah. Now get out of here. Um, and they were, it was just silence. They were just blinking at me and they were looking sideways at each other. And I said, after it was over, I walked up and I go, what do you think? And he goes, you were right. And I said, I know yeah, I was it did right. work. <laughs> I did the same yeah. routine, the exact same bit at a ministry conference that our minister was at. And I told him, I said, I'm going to speak to all of these ministers. There was probably 150 of them in a room. I said, I'm going to do the same thing I did on Easter last year. Listen to the response. Yeah, and it just like great. It yeah. blew the roof off. Um, yeah. And so. I, yeah, I had a similar bit that and used it at uh, family camp and it worked great. Would never try it in church. <laughs> no, no. Like it's just not going to, you, you can't attach that one to the sacraments. And and have it work right. Right, right. Different settings. It's a a different setting, and in they have to be prepared for it, and they have to understand what you're doing up there. And there's too many visitors on Easter. You know, there's there's some people that kind of get me and then know what I'm at, but but not all of the visitors. And it's just, yeah. Because comedy is all about controlling <laughs> controlling expectations and delivering something different, and then shattering them. Yes, yeah. You're not. That's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you can shatter them. You can absolutely shatter right. the expectations, but they do not feel at liberty to laugh when those expectations. <laughs> yeah, are I know. Well, that's a um, that's that's like um, you know, Mighty Mouse is on the way, 
uh, type of comedy or like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, well, who's that guy the from Taxi that did the oh, did the Mighty Mouse bit? Yep. Um, did, yeah, it was like a, Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman, yeah, that's like Andy Kaufman level yeah. stuff where you're doing it because you're laughing <laughs> at your audience. <laughs> Yeah, the audience is the joke, and they're like, "Why?" What? They're like, huh? mm-hmm. their, their response. <laughs> yeah. So, well, you have a uh, you, you, you. We have this church environment, and you and I have a different church environment. Um, I think we have talked about that in the past, but there are a lot of churches, and Carl may be going to a church like this where where they just don't know how to engage people um where they're at and they don't know how to they don't know how to interact with people who are say deconstructing and part of the reason part of it may be because they haven't paid attention to what's going on in culture and so it may be it may be partially maybe partially your fault okay for not paying attention but it's not entirely your fault because as we have discussed the words are liquid and people use words that they don't even know the meaning of them. And, and then right. when you're trying to, when you're trying to arrive at some sort of a truth or you're trying to just even make a, even make a benign statement, it's really difficult because you're not, you're not speaking the same right. language. Yeah. And, and that's where, you know, it's just, we need to learn to live our Christian faith. And just not care, um, right? You know, to just just love what we're doing, right? Find and not that we don't care about them, right? But they, right. they the it's a gift to not take them seriously. Right? Yes. It's a gift to them to say it really is. Just come over for cake. It really is. And That's and let's you know, like right. There's too many. Um, they, they, they I, and part of the reason I know this is because this was part of my conversion, right? I was, I was a, a obtusely philosophically minded atheist. No way. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and so my, when um, and, no. and uh, the the guys, the the older men in the church, I started going to a, a church, and some of the older men, um they were helpful. They answered my questions when I had them. And then they would say, you know, we should probably just go play ultimate Frisbee though, <laughs> rather than sit around and ask a bunch of questions after church. Cause they knew that's what I needed. I didn't need, like I, I was, I was so fractured in my own head and dislodged from myself with all these questions that running around in a field uh, and chasing a Frisbee was more helpful to my soul than sitting around and asking right. philosophical questions. Right. Um, but it, it gave a context to their answers because I knew them outside of just debate. Right. Um, right. So, and I think we need more of that. I, you know, I, I, my, there's, there's very few doors that are not opened by like chocolate cake. Uh, really, a really, really good brownies you know, and too. steam. Okay, <laughs> yeah, but, um, but we we want to have conversations 
you know, um, we want to get into arguments rather than say, you know what you're missing out on is <laughs> fellowship. And, right. Well, I, I, I agree. Um, arguments for, for what they are, you know, if, if we're not shouting and, and, and screaming and yelling and, yeah. and that, but arguments are how you grow. They, they and, yeah. and we are, we have this absolute, the culture has an, an abject fear of any sort of argumentation or disagreement. They're terrified of that because they see that yeah. as a rejection of their entire being. You have, you right. have, not, you don't just disagree with me. You think I'm a wretched, despicable, unlovable person. <laughs> and it's like, no, what you're doing is you're projecting your thoughts onto me. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but I completely agree. In fact, this has become part of my, of my standup is um, at the core of it is this idea that I do not care at all. If you laugh at me, a T at me, I don't, yeah. I, I do not have any use for people for, I don't have any use for the philosophy that, that it's good to laugh with people. We don't laugh at people. We laugh with people. It's like, no, no, you laugh at somebody. You know, if you if you and I are laughing with each other, we are laughing at somebody else, either either behind his back or we're letting him participate in it. And it is far holier and more righteous to bring that person that we are laughing at the object of our laughter, mockery, ridicule, call it whatever you want. But you bring that person in so that they are part of the joke and they get credit for being the object of laughter. And it is a glorious thing. We have right. a delusion that when people laugh at us, they're putting us down. They are demeaning us. And I just don't think that's true. I think that's wrongheaded. Um, yeah. You you laugh at people and you cannot help but like those people. But G.K. Chesterton says a skinny monk might be uh, holy, but a fat monk is humble because he knows <laughs> what it is to be laughed at. <laughs> he said, and being humble is better for the soul. <laughs> It is! It is!